When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme with John Paul taking your calls 0818 103 103 and there is a gorgeous photograph making the front page of both the Irish Examiner and the Irish Times of a very special little boy, little five-year-old Adam Clark and he's pictured in the papers today as he was crossing the finish line of his six-kilometre charity mini-marathon yesterday and he's pictured along with his junior infant classmates um, and they are pictured at Noosestown uh, Primary School and actually we spoke with Noosestown National School only last week on the programme when their lovely principal uh, Dorothy O'Donovan joined us because it was the centenary of Noosestown School and they had lots of celebrations at the weekend so they really are ending their year on a high with what little Adam has achieved by completing the marathon, mini marathon yesterday he has raised over €11,000 for Enable Ireland uh, in the process for a little five-year-old boy. That really is incredible. He was born with cerebral palsy and he attends Enable Ireland services in Cork. And despite having surgery last November, Adam and his family were determined to complete this six kilometres and to raise as much funds as they could for Enable Ireland's Children's uh, Service Centre in uh, Corraheem. And uh, his, his mother, who's pictured on the front pages of the papers with him today, was saying, uh, 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 Therese, saying that this was a huge occasion for Adam to complete this six kilometres. He used the aid of his little walker and he reached the goal of six kilometres yesterday and he was joined for the final quarter of a kilometre by his 20 junior infant classmates at Newstestown Secondary School uh, yesterday and he the six kilometres it was a, 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 done on a cumulative basis I don't know how long it actually took uh, to do it but he had the help of his brother and sister as well and as I say over 11,000 euro raised for Enable Ireland and of course Enable Ireland they provide services to more than 13,000 children and adults with disabilities and their families in 14 uh, counties and they've been providing providing disability services here in Cork now for over 60 years. They're a terrific organisation and of course one of their one of their vital services is respite, which they have a respite home in uh, Corraheen. So well done to little Adam uh, Clark. It's a terrific achievement. And inside the Echo, I spotted another photograph of him with his teacher, uh, Aoife O'Driscoll. So congratulations to him. And just staying on a school subject today, Tuesday, 28th of June, is the last day of the Leaving Cert examinations for 2022. 
and students today are completing Japanese, Arabic. Yes, they are two subjects in the Leaving Cert. And also a subject called Politics and Society. That to me is a new subject. Don't know what that one is about, but that's uh, they're all down for this morning. And then this afternoon is the very final exam, which is in physical education. And then the Leaving Cert will be behind the students. They'll just have to wait for the results in uh, September. But some good news for the Leaving Cert and for the class of 2022 in that the Cabinet today is going to approve an extra 1,056 college places and obviously that's going to help to ease the pressure for entry to a number of CAO uh, courses uh, brought on by the third year of COVID-related Leaving Cert grade inflation. So these additional places are being targeted across a range of the most sought after disciplines. I mean, they're including things like extra places for medicine, IT, architecture and construction, nursing, engineering, education and welfare. Competition for places will increase because of the commitment to build in grade inflation to match last year's bumper leaving certain results. And the class of uh, 22 will on average score 60 CAO points more than if they had sat the exam in 2019. There will be an additional 60 places in medicine. I think that's important because God knows we need more doctors. That's an initial step in that five year plan that they have that's going to see the first year intake crease by 200 but that's not going to be until 2026 and of course also in a new departure next year universities in Northern Ireland they'll open up 80 places annually to students from the south in medicine and that'll fall in under the CAO application process and the CAO have now officially announced that September 8th is going to be the date for the first round offers this year and of course we know uh, that got announced last year that the Leaving Cert results are going to be handed out on the 2nd of September later than normal but that of course is to facilitate the second sitting of the Leaving Cert for the students who during this Leaving Cert may have come down with COVID or there was a bereavement or some other medical uh, issues so there is a second sitting which is happening next month and of course there's also an expansion of opportunities for school leavers which includes new apprenticeship uh, programmes with an additional 16 due to start, including roofing and cladding, robotics and automation. And there's a degree programme in cyber security. That's one, if I had a son or daughter heading for Leaving Cert, I'd be pushing them towards because I think there's going to be so much jobs and so much demand within cyber security. And of course, it was the further and higher education minister, Simon Harris. He's the one who's bringing all of these proposals on the extra college places to the cabinet uh, today where he is expecting to get uh, approval. And he has admitted after a stressful number of weeks for school leavers, he hopes today will offer some good news. And I think it's timely that he's doing it on the day of the final set of exams for the Leaving Cert class of 2022. The independent think tank Social Justice Ireland is calling on the government to increase social welfare payments by €20 per week in next October budgets to discuss this and other measures that the government should consider in the next budget. I'm joined by Colette Bennett who's economic and social analyst with Social Justice Ireland. Good morning to you Colette. Good morning, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And welcome to the programme, I suppose. Uh, talk first about people living solely on a social welfare payment. Are they some of the ones most affected by these rising costs? And it's almost on a daily basis we're talking about things going up. 
Absolutely. So, you know, people on 208 euro a week are finding it very, very difficult to make ends meet. And that is the core social welfare rate. Now, obviously, you know, if there, there are one parent families, there are additional kind of top ups here and there, but they just aren't covering what we're seeing when we look at cost of living increases. Um, there was data published by the Central Statistics Office and analysis of the same kind of information by the Central Bank. And what they found was that it's the bottom 20 percent of income earners, so the, the very poorest in society, actually have a a higher rate of inflation than the general population. So back in March, it was 6.7% for the general population. They had an inflation rate of, of over 7%. So, and the reason for that is because they spend much more of their money, much more of their income on things like heating their home, on cooking, on food, and they're the things that are driving inflation. In fact, when we look at the, the things that are going up, we see rent has increased significantly. It's actually increased by over 11% in the year. Um, and home heating oil has increased by 102%. So you can see how those on very, very low incomes are really struggling to pay the bills. I mean, this isn't about going shopping or buying the private jets. This is about literally getting to the end of the week. Do you believe the government could afford an additional 20 euro per week? Absolutely. Um, an additional 20 euro per week for core social welfare rates comes in at 868 million um, in the full, in the year. Now, that looks like an awful lot of money. But what the government are also talking about, and again, this is very welcome, but what the government are also talking about is what's called indexing the, the, the income tax system. What that means is that they will they will index the tax, all the tax bans and the tax, the USC rates and all of that against inflation. The last time we saw the inflation rate was for May. It was 7.8 percent. If government actually do that, they're looking at over two and a half billion. So they're looking at two and a half billion for people who are in employment. We're, on, we're talking less than half of that. We're talking a third of that for people who are on the very lowest incomes. And what about those who do go to work, uh, particularly the ones on low incomes what, and you're not living on social welfare? What do you suggest the government can do for them? OK, well, there's a couple of things. The first thing would be to make t um, the the tax credits refundable. So there's two main tax credits, the PAYE one and the earned income tax credit. And what we're looking for is that if you don't earn enough to actually cover off and to actually use up all of your tax credits, that you get whatever little portion of that is unused back into your pocket. It won't be a huge amount, but it'll give you something that's otherwise just not there for you. So that would be the first thing. The second thing would be moving the national minimum wage to the living wage. Now, the Taunashta did say uh, a couple of weeks ago that government were looking at doing that and that they would benchmark it to 60% of median earnings. That's very, very welcome. But what it means is at today's rate, it's looking at around two, uh, 12 euro, 13, uh, compared to an actual living wage that was set by the living wage technical group of 12 euro 90. So while we're welcoming the fact that it would increase and we're welcoming the fact that it's being tied into wages, um, we do you know, we're pushing for it to be increased to an actual proper living wage. The other thing then is that, and again, the Taunashta came out and he was, I suppose, floating the idea that there would be a kind of an interim tax rate for people who are earning around 45,000 a year. This is the 30% what, that he's been talking about. That's it, the 30%. And what that would mean is you'd get maybe five or six euro a week into your pocket additional. 
what we're looking for is not that. We're looking for to, to maintain whatever we have at the moment in terms of tax, but to actually start investing in things like real affordability on the housing side, proper subsidised childcare. So not childcare subsidies, but proper childcare that is set up by the state that is subsidised um, and that is affordable. We're looking for public transport to be free. We're looking for um, education. We're looking for things on the maintenance grants. If that package was put together, that would actually save middle income earners hundreds every month. So rather than tinkering around the edges with a couple of quid every week, you'd actually make huge savings if proper investment was put in. And that investment benefits everybody. So it doesn't just benefit one group. It doesn't just benefit people earning 45 grand plus. It actually benefits everybody because everybody then has access to those services and that infrastructure those roads that broadband that housing that's been put into place i i was reading yesterday you're calling on the government to be mindful of the so-called just transition when it comes to the budget can you explain that to us Absolutely. So we know, for example, that we're doing pretty bad on our environmental targets. We've missed our 2020 targets on climate emissions, excuse me, and we look likely to miss by by quite some margin uh, our 2030 targets. And obviously times are ticking on all of that. Uh, So what we're looking at is what's called a just transition fund. We want things like the carbon tax to remain, and I know that can be controversial, um, we, but we also want that ring fenced so that people who are really most affected by the, the increases in carbon tax, again, low income households, people in rural areas, that, that there will be targeted measures. So the money collected will be used to support them to make that transition. We also want things like retrofitting. Retrofitting is one of the best things you can do. The best the best energy that's there is that that you don't use. Um, so what we want is that low income households have the, have the opportunity to retrofit their homes um, because we've seen what can be done. Government introduced back in February a retrofitting plan. So for people on certain types of social welfare payment, they can get a free retrofit uh, up to a certain amount. And then there is for those who are on kind of middle incomes and on higher incomes, they pay an amount up front and then they, they get a grant back. There are people who are working who aren't on the social welfare payments, but who just simply cannot pay 30,000 plus Mm. to have their home retrofitted. So what we're looking for is serious investment in all of that so that we have renewable energy programmes, we have retrofitting, we have community advisors to support communities to actually make the transition that is desperately needed. And you suggest that if the aviation sector starts paying carbon taxes you can make money that way this is it i mean everybody else pays tax on their fuel i mean you've got excise duties on your diesel your petrol and anybody who's you know even driven past a pump knows what's been happening there in the last couple of months and yet we don't have anything on aviation fuel on jet kerosene if we actually had a tax on jet kerosene it would give the exchequer it would give the government 634 million into the pot absolutely this is money that we are letting go out of the state literally fly out of the state i think some people will be surprised to hear that the aviation sector is not subject to carbon taxes that jet kerosene that the that the fuel isn't absolutely when when like i say everybody else whether you're driving a nissan micro which was my first car or you're driving a tractor or you're driving whatever else everybody else is paying excise on their fuel 
there's nothing on jet kerosene and it is costing us 634 million a year. Yeah, but I can hear, but I can hear people place, say, I can hear people say that if you put carbon taxes on jet kerosene, uh, does that mean then that uh, the price of a flight will go up? Of course they will. It likely will. But again, making a just transition is about making decisions up to, to, be, to be more sustainable. So one of the, the least sustainable forms of transport is taking a plane. Uh, on your holidays and I you know I know what that sounds like particularly coming out of two years plus of a pandemic and everybody just needs to see the sun at this point Um, but there are other ways of doing it you know there are more sustainable ways of traveling than getting on a plane. Okay and would you like to see more government intervention before the October budget uh, I mean the October budget is going to be about four months away we're constantly here in the programme hearing about people living in poverty who need the help now and can't wait another four months. Absolutely I mean we we would like to see a mini budget before October I mean there are people on their knees I'm like I mean where are we now we're on the 28th of June and there's gales blowing where I am. We're it's absolutely same, yeah. lash and rain. You know, there are people who are still going to need to push, you know, put the heating on. So we need to, to have something in on an interim basis for people who are absolutely struggling. But, you know, government has suggested that that is just not going to happen. We don't believe that's good enough. But if they're gearing up for a cost of living budget, which is what they said they would do, then it needs to be a proper cost of living budget. Okay, and by the way, my first car was a Nissan Micra as well. Mine was <laughs> mine was a red one. What colour was yours? Navy. <laughs> they were lovely. They were lovely little cars. Lovely little cars. Listen, Clash, pleasure as always to talk to you. Hi to the gang at Social Justice Ireland, and thank you so much Thanks for taking time to talk to us. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is Colette Bennett, economic and social analyst with uh, Social Justice Ireland, calling for uh, twenty euro a week increase uh, at least for social welfare recipients in next October as budget 0818 uh, 103 103 John Paul taking your calls and while that's what Social Justice Ireland are looking for the Green Party is looking for a minimum of 10 euro a week increase in state pensions and in social welfare uh, uh, payments they have a variety of other things that they're calling for including extra money to be put into the working family payment and increase in the quality qualified uh, child uh, uh, benefit but uh, obviously negotiations are underway at the moment and discussions are underway at the moment between all of the coalition parties made up of Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil and the Greens but it's the junior rural affair minister Joe O'Brien was speaking and uh, he was the one saying that he feels that the government should be looking at a minimum of a 10 euro increase in uh, social uh, welfare. He also is not in favour of what Leo Varadkar is saying about this proposed new tax rate of 30% for the middle income. He doesn't think that that's going to be very uh, um, beneficial but he says that we need to have something for welfare and he says that this has to be an anti-poverty budget so he's seeing pensions along with other social welfare payments he says if the Greens have their way they want to see double digit increases and he says we need to be getting going away beyond the five euro the standard fiver that's normally handed out at the budget and that's where he is going for 10 euro and the fact that he mentioned this as a member of a, a Green Party it, it's real indication of what the Greens are looking for and then I spotted uh, only on today's paper that the government are saying that they are going to give 
serious consideration and they will listen to the Green Party with their suggestion for a minimum of a 10 euro increase. Now I know to anybody listening to me on social welfare they'll be going with Social Justice Ireland and saying absolutely we need 20 euro in the October budget. 0818 103 103. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Postal workers, parcel delivery drivers, and at times even the Gardaí are getting confused by the growing number of housing estates with the same or similar names in. Cork County towns and villages is it time to introduce a new system on how we name our housing estates. Fianna Fáil councillor Seamus McGrath feels something needs to be done and he joins me. Good morning to you Seamus. Good morning Patricia. And you, you're welcome. Now this issue was raised at a recent Carrigaline Municipal District uh, meeting and of course Carrigaline has some of the biggest housing estates uh, in the county. Is the duplication of naming estates is it now quite common across the county? Um, yes, it is. Um, I would say it's, it's quite a significant issue. Um, and, you know, I myself have experienced the issue, but I have also received complaints from my constituents in relation to letters, you know, going astray, parcels going astray. And in some cases, as you said, you know, members of the emergency services turning up at the wrong house. Um, it has happened in relation to Gardaí, for example, uh, serving summonses and so on like that, that they would have the wrong address. Um, and it isn't that someone gave the wrong address, but that there was a mix-up in terms of uh, basically a duplicate address name. Um, so it generally doesn't happen in relation to the overall estate name. So you, you live in a state such as the new estate in Carrigaline, Janeville or Castle Heights, and they will have a distinct name. But it happens for sections within the estate. So you could have the Elms, the, Willow, the Willows, uh, the Lawn, for example, um, and they can be multiplied across across an area. And that presents huge difficulties, um, as I say, with, with letters going astray. And we all know, look, some letters, you know, may not be time sensitive, but others can be. For example, if you're waiting uh, for a passport to be delivered or if you're waiting for some critical uh, piece of documentation or some essential parcel, for example, um, it, it can be quite a significant issue. So I suppose what I put down as a motion um, recently was that there should be a safeguards in place in the naming of estates um, and I was asking the County Council's planning department to get more involved in this um, because as I say while it doesn't happen with the overall estate name it does happen for sections within that estate and very often um, like I, I myself live in the Pines Bridgemount in Carrigaline and there is another the Pines in Carrigaline it's the oh, Pines, it's in the same the same town in the same town it is, oh. the, it is the Pines Westwood so I myself have had issues. I've had to bring letters to the to the postal sorted office. Office. I only recently, in the last two weeks, brought a registered letter that was incorrectly delivered to our house. Oh, um, our registered letter. Is, yeah, that's a that's a worry because that's obviously something that's important. It is, of course, and um, as I say, it isn't just me. Numerous other people have raised it with me, and since the motion was read um, about ten days ago or so, um, a number of other people have seen, you know, that the motion was raised, and they have said, look, basically. Thank you for raising this issue because it is an issue that we're also experiencing. Um, and unfortunately, it's probably not something we can do for the estates that are already named. But I suppose what I was asking is to ensure that we don't continue to make this Going mistake. Going forward, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I know for a fact there are three to Willows in Carrigaline, for example. Um, now, and, there's the, there, and, there, and they're across the county as well. They're so across, they're, yeah, it's I mean, a popular how, name for some reason, how, the Willows and the many, Elms. How many the lawns have we had, for example? Yeah, you yeah. Know, and several, Castle Parks. Yes, exactly. So like in Carrigline, we have 
the Willows in Janeville, the Willows in Bridgemount and the Willows in Castle Heights. Um, and unfortunately, some people may not put down the full address and they might just put down number 10, the Willows or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it is an issue and it needs to be addressed. Um, I suppose in the area of air codes and so on, you say this shouldn't be as much of an issue, but it is. It remains an issue because very often people don't put down air codes um, or if they are down, per- perhaps the person carrying out the delivery doesn't necessarily go by the air code. They might just look at the address and say, oh yeah, I know where Tender Willows is or whatever. And then they, um, they drop off the parcel or the letter. I know the housing estate where I uh, live, quite a common name, and uh, th- there's somebody in the city. I kept getting posts for somebody in the city. There's a housing estate in the city exactly. of the same name. And for it went on for months until we eventually kept having to hand it back to the postman saying, that's not that's not for here. I think that's for the city, and you know it eventually did get uh, sorted out. I mean, certainly the the one of the keys is the the air code. We we all need to start using our air code more more as well, don't we? We we absolutely do, and I suppose you know I think back to when the air code was introduced, and I can remember it was criticised that it was a bit of a white elephant and so on like that. But it is actually a fantastic system, and it works very well. Um, and I know if you do ring emergency number 999 that they will always ask for air code and that's 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 a safeguard that is in place there that at least they will turn up at the right address. Um, but I suppose the examples I'm citing are not necessarily emergency situations, but nonetheless they could be important situations. So I know, for example, Gardy have turned up at the wrong address simply because it was a similar name to yeah. another estate. That's it a may, worry. It may not have been an emergency situation, but it was still, you know, members of the Gardaí carrying out their duties. Um, and that is a concern. And, um, you know, day-to-day it's happening in relation to post, in relation to parcels. Uh, and, you know, the, the majority of people you speak to seem to relay a story they, they themselves had, even yourself, Patricia, and, and, and I have had it. And people, as I say, since the motion was read and since there was a certain amount of coverage, uh, people have come up saying, look, thank you for raising that. It is an issue. We are experiencing it ourselves. Um, it, it just seems to be a widespread problem. And unfortunately, the safeguards aren't in place at the moment to make sure it doesn't continue to happen. Um, there is a policy in place for the naming of residential estates, and it takes into account things like local heritage value, you know, bilingual um, names and so on like that. So it's a good policy, but unfortunately, it doesn't have safeguards in place for preventing what we're talking about here. This may be a silly question, but who decides the name on an estate? Is it the developer? It's generally the developer, but they, they, they do consult with the planning department. Oh, do they? Okay. Uh, they do, they do. Um, and I suppose that's why, for example, the overall estate name, uh, usually there isn't a duplicate for the overall estate name, although I can think of a few historical examples, but generally speaking, there isn't. And in a town like Aragline, where we have multiple estates, there isn't any estate which has the overall sta- same name. But unfortunately, from what I my experience of it, um, while the overall estate name might be different, sections within that estate are duplicated a number of that's, times. That's where the problem is. And, and of course, because of, of COVID, uh, Seamus, so much more shopping was being done online and food was being delivered uh, to people. The problem has probably become more acute in the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I think it has, um, certainly. And... Um, I've certainly, it's been raised with me increasingly so, you know, more and more over the last number of years. Um, And it's really, it's something that could easily be avoided. I mean, there are an unlimited number of names you could come up with. You know, I suppose I'm asking developers, I'm asking the planning department, you know, let's use a bit of imagination here. Let's let's just ensure we don't have um, multiple the lawns or the elms or the willows or the pines. Let's let's come up with... Let's get a bit creative. Let's get a bit creative. (laughs) Let's let's use our imagination here and, and... it will serve a practical point of view, but it would also it will also bring about some novel names and some new names. 
Um, and there, there, there are an unlimited number of names you could come up with. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just, just, yeah. just put a bit of and effort into it. And I did, did I read somewhere that the naming of estates is actually contained in the county development plan? So the, the planning department has a policy on it. Yes, okay. um, and and in response to my motion, I, you know, that 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 policy was quoted out to me, but it it simply doesn't address the issue I was raising. Um, and I spoke at at the meeting about that, and I said, look, I'm sorry, but this simply doesn't address it. It's a very good policy talks about, as I say, the need to have local connections with the name, local heritage connections and so on like that, and that's all very important. But the specific issue I was raising about sections within the states being multiplied in terms of the name, that, that isn't in it. There, there, there aren't any procedures in place to prevent that happening. And so I asked that we would go back to the planning department and ask them to consider how this could be implemented in the policy going forward. Yeah, ba- here's a, 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 a typical example of what you're talking about. Barry in Carrigaline says he lives in the Elms in Carrigaline, part of the Janeville. But a yes. friend of his lives in the Elms in an estate in McCroom, which is part of Meadow Lawns. Even though they're miles apart, surely there should be a law that even within a certain radius that you can't name a housing estate uh, within the same name within a region or certainly within a town. Cathy in Glamour says, I live in a housing estate in Glamour. One part is called Richmond another part is called Richmond Rise and when the post postman come it does cause confusion as somebody doesn't know is it 7 Richmond or is it 7 Richmond at Rise so you're running around estates trying to deliver posts to each other's houses and Kitty McCroom says what about the Irish estate names there was a lot of them around the early 2010s 2011s but the new estates now seem to have gone back to the Elms and the Willows and, and whatever Kitty McCroom is right. There was there was a kind of a, a I, I think she's right in the timing around maybe 2010 where we saw a proliferation of gorgeous Irish names on estates. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that's very, very important. And the, the policy that the council does have it does make reference to the need for bilingual names and, and Australian names. Um, and that is something that's very important. But I suppose... Unfortunately, on the ground, when new estates are coming up very often, you don't see that. You know, you don't see Irish names uh, to the fore. And, and that's something I think we need to raise again. Um, you know, I know a good number of newer estates in Carrigline where, where the Irish name just doesn't feature. Um, there are some where it does, to be fair, but, but it wouldn't be the majority. So that is something I think that as councillors we're going to have to try and push further. Okay, and I don't know, you might be able to listen or you might be able to answer this, it's, it's off topic but a listener one is from the North Cork area is, wants to know, how long does it take the council to assess somebody for a council house, the actual assessment process, how long does that normally take? The actual assessment process, so we there was actually a motion on that issue only a number of weeks ago and the response to the motion said, on average, it takes about seven weeks. Seven weeks. Uh, on average. Now, okay. some cases will take longer. And it, yeah, and it'll depend on where yeah. you are and if there's extra paperwork. But on and all average, that. yeah. Okay. All right, listen, thank you for that, uh, Seamus. And a good topic, well raised on the housing estates, because I can see a number of people are 100% agreeing with you on it. Listen, Seamus, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Thank you, Patricia. Thank and you. And thanks for joining us. That is uh, Fianna Fáil Councillor Seamus McGrath on housing estates and the duplication of the names of housing estates. From Roy Listener says, Patricia, to be honest, I don't care what like name name is on the council estate as long as my family can get a house. And I just see a great call coming in. We'll be getting to it after 11 o'clock, just showing how somebody got a wrong the letter arrived to her house and it was the wrong and it was her electricity bill. And uh, 
it wasn't for her house at all. I'll tell you more about that story, but that's coming up after news at 11. We take a break. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, we were speaking in the last hour with Fianna Fáil councillor uh, Seamus McGrath, who is saying that the repetition of names of estates is confusing uh, people, particularly people like delivery drivers, but it's even c- confusing the emergency services. But certainly there are lots and lots of examples of people getting post to their house. The estate name is correct, but it's in a different area of the town or indeed a different part of the county. And Margaret in Donnerill has a great story to share with us. Good morning to you, Margaret. My eyes nearly popped out of my head when this came up on the screen. Tell me your tell me your story. Well, during lockdown, um, you know your bills come through, and my ESB bill came in, and I'm one of those people that go to the post office and, uh, you know, pay ten euros off of this and this and this. So I'd have three bills to pay like every week, you know. And um, I went off with my bill, and like I was paying away for a couple of weeks, didn't take any notice. And one Thursday morning, it just they fell they fell on the floor. And I, I was thinking, is that the is that the ESB bill or is it, you know the phone bill? So I just lift up the the receipts, and there was a man's name on it, and it was the same address, but it was Bantry County Cork. So I actually had been paying ten euros off his ESB for oh. six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so you were going in every week, and you have to hand in the bill in order to pay off. Well, t- yeah, but yeah. they only go they only scan it, you see. They only go by the code at the end. Yeah, yeah. So and, there. And, and the girl in post office, like she pins the the receipt onto it, so you wouldn't be looking at the name every week, like yeah. you wouldn't look at the address. So I'd have all my my receipts pinned onto the bills, like so that when the bill comes in, it's usually paid. But when I saw it, like, I, I had 60 euros paid off his ESB bill. <laughs> very kind of you, Margaret. Very I kind of you. And, I, I, and I'm very much into being kind to people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a bit over the top now at the moment. A bit over the top, yeah. <laughs> so I, I sat down and I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do? So I rang the ESB. Now, the fellow at the end of the, the line and the ESB, like, it really made his day. <laughs> it, it really, honestly, it made his day like that. He said it was the first time ever somebody was so generous to pay someone. Um, but I got it started. Like I got it started straight away. In fairness, now they were very good because he the the sixty euros was was transferred over to my my um, ESB account in yeah. in a matter of like say three days, I think. But but what happened to your bill? Um, well, I well nobody paid off my bill, Patricia. I can tell you that. Okay. Right? My bill went to the gentleman in Bantry. He did not pay anything off my bill. Okay, so he just thought it was an error and just put it in the bin. He probably did, and he probably thought my own my own will come. But a couple of weeks later, well, it was I suppose the the second next um, ESB bill that came. Then his his bill actually came again. Oh. But I I, <laughs> I was waiting for that time. Um, so all I, I had, to, I mean, it was it was it 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 could have I could have kept on doing it and not even known about and not it. even know until until mine had come in in arrears and I'd be wondering what was wrong. Um, so, it's and it's an Irish name. It's it's an Irish name in uh, you know, and this this estate is about, I suppose it's about twelve, fourteen years old. Yeah. So I'm not sure which is which is which, but it's an unusual. Yeah. It's, it's an unusual. It's name, I, like actually, so. I I I we're not we're not divulging it. Obviously, the uh, where I originally grew up in Clonmel, the estate up the road from me had the very same name as yours. 
as well. Oh, well, yeah, it's, so it's, it's not, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's yeah. not uncommon. It's not uncommon, uh, no. but, it, but it, wasn't, it wasn't named just for the sake of naming it. It was named for a purpose. Yeah, it's yeah. For a reason. There's a reason why it's named what it is. And you obviously know? your house and his house is the same number. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's the same number, yeah. Oh, same yeah. number and everything. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, that's great. We might meet up sometime and he'll tell me the story about yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I just, But the worrying side of it was if you'd continued to pay off this gentleman's ESB bill and he, for whatever reason, was thinking, oh, the, the, the electricity company are just going to put it in the bin. Nice. Yeah. And then if you, um, your electricity could have got cut off. If you, cause you, you well, if I got a, if I got something in the door like that said I hadn't paid, like, and I know yeah, that be, I, yeah, I had, yeah. um, but uh, I mean they were very understanding. Now great, they could yeah. see, like, when they pulled up both bills, they could see, see. exactly what was that. What was that? Yeah, um, yeah. And look, but, and you I, kept all the receipts as well. All the receipts. It's, well, that's the one good thing. Like the 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 girl pins the receipts on it. She staples them on. So I had to photograph all those. I had to photograph all the six and say, and email them to an uh, to the ESB to show them that I actually. Did pay it like that. So. And now you're very carefully reading the name on every. The, every I am position. Yeah, well yeah. done, well done. Listen, Margaret, and interesting that the ESB saying it's the first. I thought it would, it would, but I suppose people would check. <laughs> would it? Oh, people would check. Yeah, yeah. Say man's name like and it's coming into a woman, yeah. you know. That's, uh, yeah, so. Oh. Um, yeah, that's my lockdown story. All right, thanks for that, Margaret. Right. Thanks for that. Bye bye. Right. And actually, just on air codes, when we were saying if more people used air codes, it would work. Actually, somebody reckoned that um, Rose says, I'm positive instructed post persons not to go by the air code. A post person told me that. Well, actually, only this morning in here to the radio station, we got. Um, it's actually, it was a, it was a phone from a, one of the phone providers for on a name that. N- of a person who's never worked at this radio station we don't know who this person is now C103 wasn't on it but the postcode our postcode is on it and obviously somebody in the post office checked the postcode because written underneath then is, is C103 so that that's why it got delivered here even though it's not for not for here so maybe the post people themselves aren't using it when they're, when they're going out about but certainly the post office uh, do use the air code at a particular address but Jared was on to us to say Patricia hi I've been trying to get an air code for ages I went to Mallow Post office and they told me they don't use the air code well they've I, I don't know what they meant by they don't use the air code but they certainly don't issue the air code uh, Jared. if you want to get an air code the easiest way to find your air code is to go on to gov.ie and they have a, a section called find a, an air code and you simply put in your address are you located on a map and there's an air code finder page but I just did a quick Google search for you there to see I, I don't know why you're having problems getting Getting your air coat and it says on this particular page on gov.ie if you can't find your air coat you should contact air coat customer services so it's air coat customer services but they're nothing at all to do with on post they're completely different so give that a try but there shouldn't be a reason that you're not that you shouldn't you haven't been able to get your air coat. I don't know what the problem was there. So give them a try, Jared, and see how you get on. But I think more of us need to start using our air coats. I think that's that, I think that's where the problem is. OK, a couple of other issues into us. I mentioned the Leaving Cert today is the last day of the Leaving Cert and I tied it in with hopefully a bit of good news for the class of 2022 with the Minister Simon Harris saying just over a thousand additional places will be added to the CAO for offers for this year. Mary says, Patricia, as the mother of a Leaving Cert student, I welcome the announcement of extra college places 
by Minister Simon Harris. But the problem of getting accommodation is so, so stressful this year. My son has applied to lots of student accommodation places, but it's based on a lottery system as to whether he will get a place to stay or not. So it's an additional worry. Our government have a lot of work to do yet to sort out our housing crisis, which is impacting on our students, says Mary. And, you know, God knows the leaving cert is a stressful time as it is for the students and for Mary, you as the mother, the parents as well. It can be a very stressful time. And then there's the wait for the results and then the results come out and then there's the wait for the, the CAO and then you get your college place and then you're faced with the issue of will you have accommodation or not. It is it is truly shocking how our housing is trickling down even to something like our students who need a place to stay if the college isn't within commuting distance. Please God, Mary, your son will do well in the exams. He'll get the points that he needs. He'll get the college place that he needs and that he'll find suitable accommodation as well. Keep us posted on that. Okay, hi Patricia, I got COVID two weeks ago. Is it true? I can't get it again for a few months. Yes and no. I think, yeah, yeah. They say the best immunity is if you have been vaccinated and you got COVID or you got COVID and you got got vaccinated because obviously you've got the antibodies in your body. You certainly are protected for a while. It's not to say that you can never that you won't ever get uh, COVID again. But certainly I know I've been vaccinated. I had my booster. Uh, We all got COVID in the household at the same time in uh, March. And then we were travelling and it actually took the stress out of travelling because we knew we'd all recently had uh, COVID. I've since been in contact with people who subsequently then contacted me to say that they have tested positive for COVID. And, you know, and we did the antigen test and all of that. But none of us picked it up, even though we were in contact with people. So I'd say, yes, you are uh, reasonably safe for a period of time. There are cases of people getting COVID for a second time and absolutely we're hearing of it it's usually certainly not in a matter of weeks I'm hearing people say who got COVID in the very early days getting COVID again people getting different strains of it but they're a small number of people compared to the people who are getting COVID now in the main are people who never had COVID before and I don't know if it's just me, but I know certainly from a, from a work placement, we have some people out at the moment uh, with COVID across our across our radio stations, not just here in Cork, but across our radio stations in Ireland. And I certainly am hearing of more people being diagnosed with uh, COVID. We definitely have this surge, this summer surge at the moment. But certainly anyone I've heard of lately who've got COVID or people who didn't have it, who, who didn't have it before. And new figures are showing that actually people aged 35 to 44, they account for 20% of the cases detected through the PCR tests, which are the ones that are still being administered by the HSE. That's followed by just under 20% in the 25 to 34 age group. And children aged 13 to 18 and those aged over five are the lowest proportion picking up COVID at the moment. They're less than 2%. More women than men, by the way, are getting COVID at the moment. Nearly 60% of women in the last couple of weeks compared to 40% of men. And of course, all of this is happening against the backdrop of the number of people with COVID-19 in hospital. That's continuing to rise 765 yesterday, up from 537 two weeks ago. Really worryingly, there's a significant rise in the number of intensive care patients, 35 from a low of 20 last a week. 
even though the powers that be reckon they're hoping that the wave may now have peaked this summer wave that we're going through and the numbers should start to fall so we will keep our fingers crossed uh, with that 0818 103 103 Patricia all of these changes and additions this is from Sylvester that the government is proposing to introduce in the October budget and those they've already introduced I feel they are ridiculous Leo Varadkar is talking about having an income tax of 30%. Who will that benefit? Of course, it'll benefit everyone who now pays income tax at 40%, including themselves as politicians and managers and high earners. And who will lose on the new task? tax, all of those on low income who only pay 20% income tax. The second thing is, is the talk of the addition of an extra €20 a week. Well, that's from Social Justice Ireland. That's not coming from uh, the government. If people do get that, what would they be able to buy? Four loaves of bread and some milk for the week with everything rising in prices. If that even that extra twenty euro a week won't go far. I have a better proposition. Maybe politicians could cut their wages by fifty percent and put that money into social welfare, and that's coming in from uh, Sylvester. Thank you for that by WhatsApp two o eight six two one o three one o three. Someone else says, Patricia, listening to Social Justice Ireland saying that they want to give uh, extra to people who are living on social welfare. What about those people on low income jobs? They get nothing extra. If they do earn a little bit extra, it's taken in tax. My husband is a low income worker working part time. He can't earn anything else and he can't get uh, benefits. Well, if he's working part time, he will be entitled to uh, benefits. But I do accept your point that for a lot of workers, when they do do a little bit of extra work on overtime it gets eaten away in taxes and that's why the Radker is pushing this 30% for that squeezed middle the people who don't seem to be getting any breaks at all that they certainly would benefit from them but Sylvester is right everybody even the higher earners would benefit from the 30% one uh, as well and then we were talking about GP practices and Liz has discovered at her GP practice if she wants to get a repeat prescription she can't just ring up anymore as she had been doing for the last number of years and then it's sent directly it's electronically sent to her chemist and she just goes along to her chemist and picks it up she's now been told by her GP practice she either has to fill in a form online with a request for what she was once are she has to call in in person and fill in a form and hand it in and that's how she will get her repeat uh, prescription there's a number of people saying that that's the way it's going uh, somebody says Patricia yes my GP is doing exactly the same as Liz is has outlined and Liz is correct Uh, it is so wrong on people who don't have access to the internet people like my elderly parents and people who don't have computers and laptops could the doctors not make some kind of an allowance for these uh, people and allow them to phone in their repeat prescriptions over the phone. John Joe says, I can't go online. My phone is like something out of the Stone Age. Well, you can call in in person, John Joe. They're not saying you can't get your repeat prescription. And then Mary says, Patricia, I had to drop in a urine sample into my doctor's office last week to be checked. The doctor rang me back to say, yeah, you have a kidney infection and you need to go on an, an antibiotic. He then proceeded to ask me questions like, when were you last on an antibiotic for a kidney infection? As far as I was concerned, with the line of questioning he was using, he didn't even have my chart uh, open. It looks like I, we're all too much trouble for some 
GPs, some GPs, because I had, had an interaction with a GP lately and it was exactly the opposite. They had everything in front of them, all the charts and all of uh, previous infections and previous prescriptions. So it, it depends on what doctor you get and on what day and how busy the doctor is, uh, Mary. Uh, for, frustrating, absolutely. 0818-103-103. John Paul taking your calls. C103 Jobs. Full-time and weekend production operators are wanted to work in Amill Street. Application forms are available from info at alps.ie. A ground worker is wanted to work in East Cork. He must have five years' experience working on civil sites. CVs to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com or call 087-165-0527. A breakfast chef is wanted to work at the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow. Experience is essential. Call 022 58200 and a store manager is wanted at Casey's Furniture Store they're based on Oliver Plunkett Street in Cork you email cvs to bernie.hennessy at caseys.ie you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now the latest figures from Cantar, which looks at our shopping habits, shows that takeaway grocery sales for Ireland fell by just under 5%. That was in the 12 weeks up to the 12th of June to discuss our current shopping habits. I'm joined by Emer Healy, who is the Senior Retail Analyst at Cantar. Good morning to you, Emer. Morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome uh, to the programme. Are we simply buying less because food and drink prices continue to rise? Yeah, so there, I suppose, Patricia, there, there's a bit of a mix of things. So we we have seen that overall shoppers are making three fewer trips to store on average per month. Um, but on top of that, we have seen that kind of upwards curve um, of food and drink prices. Um, so there is understandably that kind of increase in, in rising cost of living and yeah, increase in, in our annual grocery bills. And everything seems to be going up when you, when you go to the, the supermarket. Where are you seeing the sharpest price rises? Yeah, so we've seen, Patricia, the kind of steepest increases in really our everyday essentials. So the likes of butter, eggs, bread and flour, which I suppose for many are really those kind of non-negotiables on our shopping list. Yeah, you don't have any choice. You buy them every Mm. week um, uh, regardless. They're certainly not the uh, luxury uh, items. And I suppose the headline that is coming out from your latest uh, study is by how much do you expect the average annual grocery bill to go up this year, Emma? Yeah, so we expect that Irish shoppers could face potentially an increase of €453 to their annual grocery bills, um, which is, is very significant. And I suppose what we've expect now is you know how shoppers behaviors are going to change what they're going to look for when they're in store you know are they going to move towards more own label brands and really look for you know promotions on the best value that they can get when they're in store 
Yeah, because I know a number of months ago when we were discussing, having a similar discussion on, on the programme, a number of listeners have pointed out that you don't see as many of the offers in the supermarkets, you know, like the buy one, get one free mm. or the half price offer that normally would last for maybe two, three weeks in your local supermarket. Mm. We're not seeing as many of those. No, at the moment, Patricia, there is actually less promotional activities going on in store for consumers and and that's why we've seen especially in our latest release that there has been that kind of shift you know away from brands and into more own label offerings and and when we asked consumers 66 percent of them said that they would actually swap out the branded product in their trolley if they had an own label item that was cheaper yeah, and, 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 and that's certainly, that is one way that people can save. And I'm assuming, are, are people sort of trying to follow the offers and doing a bit in one store and a bit in another store? So we've seen, I suppose, Patricia, retailers that kind of have that strong vouchering system or, you know, strong um, in-store club cards um, have kind of attracted new shoppers and, and really retaining their current shopper base. And with consumers, you know, really being pinched in in terms of their budgets and these kind of rising average prices we do expect over the course of 12 months that those retailers that are offering really good value for consumers you know they have a wide range of own label products um, and and like you said promotions are going to be extremely successful um, in not only attracting new shoppers but also keeping their their current customers. And the quality Emer. Of the own label has certainly increased. I mean, I think the the first own label most of us, well, most of us of a certain generation will remember, was the yellow pack. And, but it was it was of it was it was deemed to be whether it was or not of inferior quality. But like the own brand items today can be as good as the branded goods yeah. at a fraction of the price in some cases. Yeah, and and every retailer has an extremely strong own label offering. Um, so there's a huge variety, I suppose, of for what consumers can actually purchase now in store. And we did spend in the lead up to the June bank holiday because your survey covers covers just after the June bank holiday. Yes, exactly. So our data, Patricia, um, yeah, is up until the 12th of June. So, yeah, so definitely, I suppose, this time last year, there were some COVID restrictions um, so a lot of consumers were obviously busy getting ready for our summer holidays abroad or maybe being a little bit optimistic about the sunshine, which we wouldn't think today. But we saw sun cream sales shot up by 36% when compared to to May um, of this year. And then also, you know, shoppers really looking, I suppose, to make the best of the June bank holiday weekend and socialise with family and friends. We saw shoppers spend... Um, 575,000 more on the likes of burgers and grilling food and yeah yeah and 2.4 million more on ice cream Whoa. so definitely getting in the summer in the summer mood <laughs> and then online grocery shopping was something that certainly increased during covid have have many stuck with it Emer? yeah so i think online was really that standout performer over over um, COVID and it still continues to grow, Patricia, in the latest month at 9.3%. So um, it, I suppose it really stands out to its staying power um, and how we've adjusted into our new routines and how those that did purchase online during the pandemic have continued to do their, on, their take-home grocery online. And um, 
But also, Patricia, it attracted new shoppers also. So, you know, I, I suppose as a lot of consumers go back to work, even if it's a hybrid work approach, um, probably looking for convenience in some levels as well. And with rising petrol prices also, or maybe people trying to save on extra trips out on the car. So um, 2.3 million additional was spent on online grocery over the month of June. So Yeah, yeah, that really doesn't surprise me. And I know Mm. when COVID struck our house, I had no choice uh, but to to do the delivery. And the one thing I did notice about it, now I use the the normal supermarket that I use. The Mm. one thing I did notice was you didn't buy anything extra. You literally got what you needed. You so, stuck to your shopping yeah, list. Yeah, because you know exactly. when you go in, it's that's when you get tempted. Oh, sure, I, will I get that? Sure, I will get it. But when you're doing it online, you certainly are sticking to a budget, It would be it a budget yeah. or to your shopping list. So it doesn't surprise me to see that, the, that people are still staying with it. And then our inflation figures, Emer, some of the highest we've seen in nearly a decade. Yes, yeah, so inflation hit 6.5%, which is the highest level we've seen since February of 2013, yeah. Yeah, okay, all right. Listen, uh, Ema, thank you uh, for that and and thank you for taking time out to talk to us today. Thanks so much, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Ema Healy there, who is a senior retail analyst at at Candor and actually looking at the list of all of the supermarkets because Candor, you know, show where we're spending our money in which uh, supermarket. Uh, Super value is still on the top of the uh, list. Let me see the figures for Super value. 21 Point seven percent of us uh, did shopping in super value in that 12-week period. Tesco's in second place, um, Dunn's in third, Lidl in fourth, Aldi in fifth and other retailers at the uh, the bottom of uh, that. But uh, we're going to this year, This that's on the average, on what we spend out on average over the year. It's going to increase by just over 450 euro. And again, it's going the people on the low income, people on the fixed income are the ones that are really going to be affected by that. 0818 103 103. And Gillian, oh, this is back to post getting delivered to the wrong house or couriers getting delivered to the wrong house, particularly when we were talking about duplicate estate names, but we do know the packages and things can go missing as well. Gillian has a tale to tell. Gillian says, I ordered items online. The courier emailed me when I was at work to say, oh, your parcel has been delivered. When I got home, guess what? No parcel. I checked my CCTV and nobody called to the house. Using tracing and tracking, it said delivered. Uh, I used a house name and I had an air coat, yet the courier seemed to have left the parcel at someone else's house. They weren't one bit helpful, just said they use contactless delivery, which only works if you're at the right address, of course. Uh, weeks in, it's still ongoing. The courier can't say where they left the item. It is so frustrating. They now have to deem it lost before I will get a refund. All they said is, ask your neighbours. Thank you, Ah, uh, Gillian. And I have heard of parcels like that, couriers leaving parcels outside doors. And I've gone home to my own house and there's been a parcel sitting on the doorstep, which I find really, really uh, frustrating. And I've heard of parcels getting nicked 
if you're, you know, you can have someone unscrupulous, even though in Gillian's case you're different because you have the CCTV. It certainly went to a wrong house. But if it went to a wrong house, you would like to think that somebody inside in the house would be honest enough to contact the courier to say you've delivered this to the wrong address. But what's worse for you is having to wait a, a length of time in order to get your refund when you can clearly prove that the courier did not leave the parcel at your house. I think in a case like that, you should be in getting an instant refund. And then it's up to the courier to try to work out what has happened to your parcel that they delivered very obviously to the wrong address. And you have your air code and uh, everything very, very annoying. 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. Now we're proud here at C103 to be media partners with Down Syndrome Cork for their proms in the park, which will be held in the wonderful surroundings of Donnerail Estate on the last Saturday in August. To preview the event, I'm joined by Ray O'Callaghan and Ray is the general manager of Down Syndrome Cork. Good morning to you, Ray. Morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. The Donnerail Estate, is this not a perfect setting for proms in the park. You're going to hold it in the private garden. Yes, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, uh, we're holding it in the private garden on the left-hand side of the house. Um, and the OPW have been have been absolutely incredible to, to work with. Um, I believe it's the biggest event of its kind there in many, many years. And it's a beautiful, beautiful spot. All we need is fingers crossed that the sun will be shining exactly. down on us. Exactly. exactly. Now, do you know what the Cork Light Orchestra will perform on the day for the proms? Yeah, uh, we have teamed at proms in the park, uh, so so very much the proms team, um, and uh, very lively music. Um, and I suppose it's the end of the summer. Um, we 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 want to send dogs, so we wait a bang. Um, and because it is in the private gardens, I'm I'm assuming numbers therefore have to be limited. Yes, it it's five hundred people, um, and the idea is that people bring bring their own picnic, their blanket, their their refreshments, fold up chairs. Uh, Marks and Spencer then then are adding some treats, um, and we also have for everybody that buys a ticket, they have the chance to win a one thousand shopping voucher at Brown Thomas in Cork. Wow, we've sponsors obviously have been very generous really, uh, to really you, good. which is terrific. So 500 tickets and it's going to be when they're gone, they're gone. Well, when they're gone, they're gone and they're actually uh, beginning to sell incredibly well now. Brilliant. brilliant. Um, and what we're also encouraging is one parent, uh, well, one ticket holder can bring for, for free a child under the age of 14. Oh, that's good. That's... Because we we're conscious it's such a beautiful place it's such a beautiful event um, that that some some young kids we would love to see it. We would love to see. Yeah, it. if they're into music at all, they they yeah, really yeah. they really really will uh, enjoy, enjoy it. And I just think proms events. Um, I've certainly watched them on TV. I mean, everybody yes. typically associates the proms with the BBC proms, Absolutely. and it's just always gorgeous to see families of you know all ages sitting down and having the picnic Absolutely. and you know Absolutely. if you want a designated driver somebody can have the glass of Prosecco Absolutely. or the Pims whatever you whatever you Absolutely. fancy yeah. <laughs> that's what it's all about have you done the proms before Ray? No yeah. no we did um, 
we were beneficiary of a UCC quad concert about five, six years ago. And we, we learned a lot from that. And I'm actually from the North Cork area. So, so I've always had this thing about doing, doing a concert there. Um, and to keep our services going, um, the, this kind of event uh, su- suits us, su- su- suits our members, uh, su- suits the OPW there. Um, and we're, we're really look, look, looking forward to it. Yeah, and I, I love when when I saw the brochure for it, I thought, oh, what a terrific idea. It's to try and, you know, there's so many excellent fundraisers yeah. out there, but it's to try to come up with something just a little bit different. It is. Yeah. It is. And it, uh, absolutely. I think, absolutely. I think you've hit the nail on, on the head with this. And talk to me then, Ray, about Down Syndrome Cork and what, what where you're funding, if you if whatever money gets raised, where does it go and, and, and what you provide for people? Yeah, I mean, we would have 450 members in Cork City and County of all ages. Um, we provide uh, services, uh, uh, speech and language therapy, education services, family support groups, uh, employment su- supports with, with the Field of Dreams. Uh, we would have drama and dancing, youth clubs, summer camps. We have our shopping merchants key and we would have school, school su- support structure too. Yeah, you do amazing work. You really do amazing work. 450? 450 plus members, wow. yes. Wow, incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Okay, somebody saying, where, where are the tickets on sale? It's eventbrite.ie. It certainly is. It certainly is. Okay. And uh, we, we, we're we really looking forward to seeing people there. Um, parking will be uh, in the actual park. Um, it will be well marshaled. Um, and... Uh, it should be a, a magical night. It I should think be a it really magical night. Yes, and it's half five start. Is this? Is it? Yes. Yeah. Um, half five. We were encouraging people to be there at five p.m. Um, and it's a half five start, and the orchestra will play for about an hour and three quarters. Yes. Okay, so it's an it's an early evening event, which it's, is yeah. which is gorgeous. It's, it's, As I say, I just know the sun is going to be shining down on you, and it's on the last Saturday in August. It's the twenty seventh of uh, August. Event. And I'd also like to uh, thank the people of the of the town itself. They they have been incredible. They've been incredible. Okay, and anyone who knows Donnerell, the Donnerell Estate knows how wonderful it is. But for it's people, for people not who've never been before, you know, come in plenty of time because it's gorgeous walks oh, and everything. It's it really absolutely. is it really is beautiful. Ray, we wish you the best of luck uh, you so with it and closer to the date. No doubt we'll speak again. But in the meantime, we just want to get the message out there because when these tickets are gone, they are gone they and are it gone. is and it they is limited uh, to yeah. five hundred. So please uh, get your tickets uh, for it. Listen, Ray, thank you for that and thank, thank uh, continue so good luck to everybody at Down Syndrome. Cork. Good morning to you. Thank you. you. Bye. Uh, bye bye. Ray O'Callaghan there, General Manager of Down Syndrome Cork. 0818103103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862103103. And following my uh, chat with Emer from Kandar talking about how our grocery shopping and what we're doing with our grocery shopping and how we're doing three less visits three less visits to supermarkets a month and has that got to do with how much money is inside in the purse and people are being really careful about what they are buying. Lots of people saying yeah everything, agreeing with what Ema was saying that everything is going up and particularly the butter, the eggs, the bread and the flour which are kind of the basics that you end up putting into the shopping trolley every single week uh, regardless you don't have any choice on it. You know it's not just something, it's not a luxury item that you can leave out. Uh, one listener 
listener is saying one good place for shopping I'm finding at the moment as a family is Dunn's because they do the 10 euro off um, when you it's 50 euro when you get um, 10 euro off yeah I see a lot of the I know Super Value have something similar I think linked to their cards as well and then of course Tesco do the vouchers that they give out like all of the supermarkets are trying I think Lidl have a one as well they're all trying to do their best uh, to get to get people in Nancy and Bantry says the own brands I feel now can be and are getting as dear as the branded uh, items some branded items can be cheaper than non-branded items especially if they're on special offer so you really kind of have to bring your A game when you're going along shopping to keep a lookout at uh, everything and Hi Patricia, yes I agree with you, branded uh, goods, there was a time when the quality wasn't great, the quality now can be as good as a branded item and uh, Lucy says I've changed so much of the branded from branded to non-branded items, I have to lie to my family sometimes and change the packaging when I get home because they don't believe that the own brand goods are as uh, good but certainly I'm saving money by going to the own brand rather than the branded goods. Uh, 0818 103 103. This is on going back to repeat prescriptions. Bridget uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Bridget. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. uh, Thank you. Now, you are a carer. This is to do repeat prescriptions. Yes, and I can see where it comes into play, where you have to go and tell them what you, like, is it a want or a need? And I know of an area where the lady gets, her prescription every month and Panadol now there's a hundred Panadol in a box yeah. and there must be at least eight boxes of these Panadol stacked in a press like and then there's a nasal spray which has been used when needed and there's about ten boxes of those in an area in a press that have been opened so like I can understand why they want us to tell us tell them what we need yeah, whereas if you ring up uh, for a P prescription, they just put everything that's on the list. Everything comes on it, yeah. And I'll be honest with some of the chemists, they'll ask you, do you need all these? I've, yeah. I've, I've had that done with myself. Yeah, and, and, and I, I have as well. I would, uh, Marsha, my daughter now, would be on uh, different meds. And I just go in and say, look, she doesn't need that, she doesn't need that. This is, this is, this is what we need. But I can understand that some people will just go in and say, yeah, I'll take everything. And then stored up in the cupboards to so the sell-by dates will be gone on they half They will be gone, yeah. No, they will be gone. But see, the thing is, when you, when you ring in for it, it's done automatically. And you go in and you pick it up and you walk out and you pay, you pay and you walk out. Do they even check them? And, you know, no one comes back and says, I don't need this and I don't need this. If they're all gone home and they're left there. Yeah, so maybe with this new system whereby you have to either fill in the form online or at home, you can actually say, well, I don't need those Panadol because, as you say, I've eight packets of them in the cupboard at home yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah that's good. People, yeah. people won't say that. People yeah. won't say that. And the same with the nasal spray. They're not going to say, oh, I don't use that anymore. But you just walk away with all these things. I know. And it's it's such a waste then is, as well, yeah. isn't it? Is, yeah. It really is such but a waste. I can understand. I can understand where this is coming from. Yeah, that it could be a cost issue. Yeah, yeah. Like they could be saving on it. Okay, listen, Bridget, thank, thank you, you for that. Thank you. And uh, continue good luck with your, your work. The Unsung Heroes are carers. And it says, well done to Bridget, the carer, who just came onto the programme there for highlighting the waste of money in our health service when it comes to repeat prescriptions. This caller who says, please don't call out my name, but we cleared out my granddad's house recently and I could not believe the amount of unused 
medication that was in his uh, cupboard. When I questioned my mother, she said, as your dad just used to go every month and collect it. He didn't need half that medication or he wasn't using half of that medication. It really was sinful. Uh, we uh, went, by the way, to a local chemist and disposed of it uh, correctly. Uh, and this listener reckons that if a lot of people threw open their cupboards, people that regularly have to get repeat prescriptions opened up cupboards you would find houses that are full of medication that they're not using or for whatever reason they don't need to use it anymore but yet because it's tagged on to a repeat prescription they just duly go along every month and pick it up from the chemist. Now I'm not saying thank you for that, I'm not saying that that's one of the reasons that the doctor's practice are changing in getting people to come in and write out what they need or fill in a form online but the real Plus of doing that, it might cut down on people ordering items that they don't need and it might stop cupboards being full of medication that ultimately has to be paid for and then ends up getting dumped into the bin because a lot of that medication then will just simply go out of date and even if it doesn't go out of date if it gets returned to the chemist I'm assuming it just has to be disposed of so there seems to be a lot of wastage there when it comes to that maybe that is something that the new HSE boss might decide to look at repeat prescriptions and how much of the medication is actually wasted 0818 John Paul's taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We've mentioned air codes when we were talking about duplicate housing estates and people having the same housing estates and they're all over the place. Uh, they can be all over the county. They can be in the same town. You can have the same town with two housing estates with the same name. And then we pour a Margaret from Donnerwell <laughs> very kindly paying off a man's ESP bill down in Bantry. Same address, same number, same name of the estate, but obviously one is in Bantry and one is in Donnerwell until she saw her problem. And then that led to the discussion on should we all be using our air core, core codes more, even though a number of people are pointing out that the uh, on post don't use the or the postmen and women don't actually use the air code and then Paddy was on to say because then we've had some people saying they're having a problem trying to locate their air code and they're ringing their local post office and going into the local post office but it's onto air code that you need to get onto if you're having problem accessing your air code but Paddy was on in a bit of a, di- a dilemma to say they've built a new house in the last few months and they cannot get an air code. Now, they've applied to OnPost for the air code and they were sent out all the information. And they say four months later, they still don't have an air code. And the problem is, until Paddy gets an air code, they can't get a telephone and they can't get a broadband connection to the house because the, the, air comp- the phone companies are saying they will only issue a connection once there is an air code assigned to the house. So Paddy is caught in this dilemma. He wants a phone and he wants uh, he wants broadband, but he can't get it because he doesn't have a, an air code. So we did a quick check to see how do you get an air code. And if you have a new uh, address, uh, well, first of all, they say if you have a new address, there's no need to apply for an air code. And obviously that's not what's happened because Paddy hasn't just been issued with the air code. But what happens is every quarter, Postal addresses and location details for new, 
repurposed or renovated properties are provided to the Ompost Geo Directory. And in order to get an air code, your address has to be in the Ompost Geo Directory. Now, what they do is they do it quarterly. They assign new air codes to new houses, repurposed houses or renovated properties that didn't have an air code. But it is done in the months of February, the months of May. August and November. So for Paddy, the next time they're going to issue new air codes is going to be mid-August of this year. So hopefully if you've got everything filled in and gone back to air code and they will include it in the Unpost Geo Directory, hopefully in August you will have an air code, even though, you know, where are we? We're coming to the start of July. You'll have, you'll have a two-month wait. I can't understand why you weren't included in May. You know, maybe you didn't have all the information uh, into them uh, or not. And they, the air code just tell us, in order to be assigned a new address, has to be on the on-post geodirectory database, must contain at least two lines of the postal address, principal post town and geographic coordinates. So hopefully you'll get sorted, but you will be waiting until mid-August, unfortunately, for when the next round of air codes are, are given out. So it's just, it is, it really, really is uh, frustrating. And I know John Paul got on to air code. It's possible that your address and your location wasn't captured yet. And that's exactly what happened because it is a new uh, property. OK, good luck with it. 0818103103. On repeat prescriptions, Margaret in Kenturk said... I have psoriasis and I need to get a spray every month for my psoriasis. It costs 70 euro, but I can ask for a six month supply at a time, which means under the drugs payment scheme, I'd only be paying 80 euro a month and I would be getting 420 euro worth, which is a huge difference. So I got that. I can't. I can't dose on the spray from the tin. I can't. I don't. I'm sorry. The last line of that isn't making any sense. Um, okay, so you're getting your six months prescription. You get it in one month and on the drug refund scheme. You only have to pay. I didn't think you were able to do that, but according to Margaret, you can, and that's what she's doing, and she's saving money. So that might be worth other people checking that out to see if you can get your six months prescription in one month to see if you can save money. That's uh, for people not on the the medical card I think what we're talking about people storing up medicines in their cupboard we're talking predominantly about people who are getting it on their medical card somebody said surely the chemist is making money out of this and they won't say anything no because we've had a number of people say that the chemist has actually asked somebody do you need all of these items that are included on the list but here's a lengthy text in so don't call out my name I won't hi Patricia I order my prescription online and then I go to the rounds of writing down the names of all the items I require for that particular monthly prescription when I ring my pharmacy to get my prescription ready for me they ask me do you require all the items on your prescription and I say yes because I know what I have ordered every month but when I go in to collect it and when I brought home the items there was stuff in the bag that I hadn't ordered. This went on for a few months. So I asked my pharmacist, why are you putting in the extra items in the bag? And it was then I realised that they had included everything that was on the prescription. So then I wrote on the bottom of the prescription, please note, I only require the items I have ordered. But that didn't work either. So now when the pharmacy are getting the prescription ready, they have to ring me to see, do I require all the items that are printed on the prescription? They call them out to me and I either say yay or nay. It's ridiculous though that my chemist has to do all of the rounds. It's as if they're or the ordering it 
if it's the ordering of prescriptions online, it's an automated thing and there's nobody actually manning it. Oh, so every I so yeah, well, in fairness, when we've been highlighting this and it came from Bridget, the carer, she was wondering, is that why they're doing it to cut down on the prescriptions that people are getting items that they don't need? But obviously it's nothing at all to do with that. So somebody will say, I'm looking for my repeat prescription and a computer somewhere. The button's going to be hit and the everything that is on the list. That's why you do need to check in with your pharmacist to make sure that you do want the items on us just to try and for, for waste as well and not to have cupboards completely stored up because we're hearing from a number of people who are saying that very same point that they know of an elderly relative of them and they've got cupboards bursting with medication that they get every single month and for whatever reason they're no longer using it or they don't need it on a particular month but because it comes in on a repeat prescription they just get the same items every month. Patricia, there are two sides this is from uh, another lengthy WhatsApp. There are two sides to the prescription issue. My child has a long-term illness and needs regular meds simply to stay alive, but is, but is also now a young adult determined to self-manage his own illness. Despite the nature of the prescription, which is approved every six months by the GP, the chemist has sometimes questioned if he actually needs the prescription. This has made my child feel like a beggar when he's taking something from them, Dis- despite, as described, By his consultant at Cork University Hospital, he does have a life-threatening illness needing daily life support in the form of these prescription medication. The chemist's approach has impacted my child, who absolutely dreads asking for the prescription to be filled in in case he gets questioned and gets asked all all these different questions. Does he need it and does he not? This has meant that essentially life-protecting meds have at times run out, needing an emergency race to a late-night chemist who have saved the day. Wow, that's shocking. That is absolutely uh, shocking. And I know your, your, your child now is a young adult and that therefore, you know, he's got, he has a right to you, for you not to intervene. But I wonder, could you quietly have an intervention? Could you quietly speak to the chemist and explain what's going on and explain that your son, even though you shouldn't have to, if a prescription is handed in it is handed in for a reason because somebody needs it. I think the problem seems to be in the link between the patient and the doctor and the patient telling the doctor, I don't need that particular med this month but if it's also generated the prescription then the prescription just goes through to the chemist. That's where the fault seems to be and it shouldn't be up to the pharmacist to have to go through everything that's on the list as was happening with the previous texter who texted in but that shouldn't be happening either that a young man is being questioned as to does he need this particular med and does he need that particular medication you know he he knows himself what he needs and uh, doesn't need but I wonder could you do could you do an intervention or would you feel comfortable doing that or would you feel you're taking away your own son's uh, independence a lot going on there for sure thank you for your text so to 086 2103103. John Paul's taking your calls at 0818103103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. 
The Lakela Mallow Men's Shed is situated at the rear of the Lakela Family Centre in Fair Street. They meet, they meet every Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursday evenings and they'll be doing that for the month of July, August and September and they meet from 7pm to 9pm and new members, if you'd like to join a men's shed in Mallow, then feel free, you'll get a very warm uh, welcome. The Shambhali Moor Bingo is on tonight at 8 o'clock. The jackpot this week is €2,200 and all are welcome. There will be a ladies gala evening in Middleton College on Thursday starting at 7. Hair and beauty transformation, spot prizes. There'll be a prize for the best dressed lady on the night plus Eunice Power. The chef from the afternoon show on RTE and Maura Hunter from RTE's At Your Service will be in attendance. Both are going to Middleton College student Alison Dorley's journey to Kenya and she's going to work with underprivileged children. And Kildallery Festival is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. And this Thursday, Reading in the Years is on from 8pm until late. Friday the 1st of July sees the wonderful Mike Denver and his band that's supported by Donny O'Sullivan and DJ Denny. Saturday night has Abba Esk and DJ Denny. Sunday night, uh, Sunday, that's next Sunday, there is a family day from 12 noon to 3 with a barbecue, games and fun for all. And Ballinhasset Community Development Association, they're holding a social dance in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasset. That's this Friday night. Music by Michael Sexton, dancing from 9.30 to 12.30. Admission 10 euro, which includes teas. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Remember earlier on, some Somebody contacted us because they had COVID in the last two weeks and they were saying that somebody had said to them they won't uh, get COVID again for the next number of months. I'm wondering, is it true? And I said, mainly, yes, I would go with it, but you never know for sure, not with this uh, virus. Tim says, Patricia, just to let you know, two of my daughters, they're in their early 30s, both got COVID in the last couple of weeks. Both had COVID back in December. So what's that, about a five, six month gap in between their originally getting COVID and then getting it again. And both, by the way, are fully vaccinated. Funnily enough, their partners didn't get it and neither did I and neither did my son. It's it's the, I tell you, this is the strangest, strangest virus. We're all thankful that the majority of us are vaccinated and uh, boosted. And certainly that is offering protection in that people who are getting COVID are not very sick. Um, you know, the, even though there's a rise in people in the hospital uh, with it, there will always be people very vulnerable and, and susceptible when they do pick up COVID. But for the majority of the population, thanks to vaccinations and thanks to people already getting, having had uh, COVID, people who are getting it, it's, you know, it's a rotten head cold is how some people are describing it. Others might get a bad cough, others are tired, others then get it, didn't even know that they had it and have absolutely no symptoms uh, at all. But certainly what I'm, what's happening at the moment are people that are getting COVID. It's like mopping up the last of the people who didn't get it. It seems to be predominantly they are getting it, but they're isolated cases certainly of reinfections. But there are people out there who came in contact with people who had COVID and have never picked it up. And it's just, it's one of those things how people's, everybody's immune system works differently. There is also the conspiracy theory 
there of particularly for people who say look I was in contact with loads of people with Covid and I've never picked it up why you know why have I never picked it up there's always a theory that people could have had Covid and didn't even know they had Covid because the number of people who did test positive for Covid and will say they did their seven days isolation and they'd absolutely no symptoms so if you base on that there will be people who will have been walking around with Covid they didn't realise that they had COVID. Did that mean they passed it on? Possibly. But they weren't even aware that they uh, had it. And uh, hopefully your your daughters are now fully recovered, Tim. But good to know that the partners didn't get it and the junior son didn't get it. Uh, stay safe. Yesterday, when we were on the programme, the news broke that uh, Paul Reid stepping down as HSC chief executive and it came as a huge, huge surprise to so many people and obviously the papers today full of commentary about Paul uh, Reid and of course the hunt now is on to uh, replace him. He's stepping down early from his €420,000 a year job and one of the main reasons he's citing is that he is going to spend more time with his young granddaughter and obviously the relentless toll of managing the health service during COVID-19 and the cyber attack has certainly taken its toll on this man. Now he told staff yesterday he could not have operated at the high level of pressure without the support of his wife Margaret and the family and he was fulsome in his praise yesterday of the staff within the HSC but he's talking about his wife and family and he said they have made huge sacrifices along the way to support him and he says it's come to a time in his life where he wants to give back give back some quality time and he also wants to enjoy some space with they have a young granddaughter who's over in the States because I've seen him on his social media particularly on his Instagram account where he's you know posted up photographs of him interacting with his granddaughter over Zoom or FaceTime you know and it's just you know and he wants to be able to now that we're allowed to travel he wants to be able to go to the States uh, to visit his little uh, granddaughter and the non-stop strain of managing the health service remember he did it right throughout COVID-19 then we were in the middle of COVID-19 when we had the cyber attack last a year and all of that combined what a stressful stressful job Paul Reid has had and he's only 57 so he's quite a few years away from official retirement if he was to work right through to retirement uh, age but the departure of the HSC boss who wasn't due to leave until the end of 2024 is now set to lead to another expensive search for a successor. Now he's the only thing is that his replacement who will take over now in early 2023 because Paul Reid will go on until the end of this year. Whoever his successor will be, he he or she should, should see their power diminish because we know there's going to be six regional health authorities to be set up. They're due to become operational from 2024 and they're going to take much of the decision making away from the centre of the HSE. Now Paul Reid's exit is due as another COVID-19 winter wave looks inevitable and of course the promised reform to end the two-tier health system that's still very much on the cards but we have nearly a million people on some kind of a waiting list so that two-tiered health system is certainly behind schedule. The health budget this year 22 billion euro. It is eye-watering the amount of money we 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 spend on our health system 
yet we have close to a million people on uh, waiting lists. But we've got a worsening cost of living crisis. The mood is changing. The pandemic spending is being cut while the HSE is coming under huge pressure now to show value for money. Paul Reid is understood to now believe that fresh energy is needed to implement the crunch slauncher care measure and, and to set up these six regional health authorities. And of course, what's been happening lately within the HSE is the controversy over Navin Hospital. And there was a disagreement. This certainly broke out at the weekend with the health uh, minister and local politicians and Paul Reid over the closure of the Navin Hospital Emergency Department. But he seemingly is saying that that's not behind his early exit. And we will all know here in Cork, both for people in Bantry and for people in Mallow, we know when that decision was taken to take the emergency departments away from our two hospitals. Remember the controversy at the time and what happened in Bantry and happened in Mallow is now due to happen in Navan Hospital as well. Paul Reid's departure, of course, also comes on the back of the chief medical officer, Tony Houlihan. He is also retiring next week. And there has kind of been an exodus of heads from the HSE. Paul Reid is really the fourth because remember, we have the Deputy Chief Medical Officer, Roland Glynn. He has resigned as well as the highly regarded uh, Anne O'Connor and she was the HSE's Chief Operations Officer. Paul Reid said in his message that he was leaving with a heavy heart and of course the Taoiseach was out straight away uh, speaking about uh, Paul Reid and saying that he led from the front and he insisted people are entitled to make personal decisions around their lives. He said Paul Reid had been available round the clock and he always had a good relationship with him. Don't know if he had the same relationship with the current health minister, Stephen Donnelly. I think um, I think Stephen Donnelly, I think, once described Paul Reid. He said that they had a polite but warm uh, relationship. I say, and reading in the, lots in the papers, obviously, about Paul Reid today and, and commentary from people and people giving their tuppence halfpenny worth on the man. Stephen McMahon is with the Irish Patients Association. He says there needs to be a smooth transition when finding Paul Reid's successor. He says our health care system is faced with enormous challenges. And Stephen McMahon, on behalf of patients, said, we hope that there could be a quick transition to whoever takes over. But he says, I think it's time. He thinks it's time for a new beginning. And then I also read that the professor of health systems, Anthony Staines, who again was a man we got to know during COVID, he said, whoever succeeds Paul Reid will have waiting lists and overcrowding and COVID, but also the long term structural funding issues. They'll have to ask themselves, what does HSE healthcare look like and what will it look like in 10 years time? And how does the HSE fit in with Slaunter Care and how do we deliver it? And with a budget that seems to rise every year, I mean, it's just draw dropping to think that it was 22, 22 billion will be spent on our healthcare system this year. Are we getting good value? And is it is it a fresh pair of eyes? Is that exactly what we need within the HSE? But certainly Paul Reid has given it his all for the last two and a half years. And he's entitled now, certainly to family time. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Jean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103.
Joe Heffernan uh, joining me on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're very welcome. And we are continuing to talk about depression today. And this was mm. linked in with a, a recent survey that came out showing the increase in depression, particularly amongst younger uh, people, which is which is really quite uh, frightening and upsetting for people. Mm. Um, but what we're trying to get across to people is that there is help and that, you know, you're not on your own and that so many people with everything I think that's gone on in the world, particularly during COVID times and the pandemic and the effect that the pandemic has had on people. I, I think that's brought on a lot of the depression, isn't it? Absolutely, without a doubt. And sure, every time we turn on the news uh, between war COVID numbers uh, going up, um, you know, it doesn't help. But um, uh, the main thing uh, with depression is to have someone that you trust, that you can talk to. Now, we did that little survey, a kind of a little screening testing last week. And um, if a person had a good few yeses on it, now, if there were six, like, definitely. But if there were a few yeses, Maybe maybe mention to the GP that you've been feeding down. Um, you know, we always say on this program, the GP is the first uh, port of call. And then um, some people are attending um, counselling and, you know, obviously for a good reason and to be able to talk out things there that are uh, troubling a, a person um able to discuss like how you feel um um what you're thinking and uh, it's etc and most importantly of all uh, what you're doing and um so sharing sharing is so important and it's so important to have support um whether it's a family member or um uh, a relative or a good friend um, support is essential. Yeah, and I um, know over the years, having you know interviewed you know people who who openly talk about their mental health, who openly talk mm-hmm. about uh, bouts of depression, and you know they will for some people they will say you know they knew for a long time that something wasn't uh, right, but they buried it and you know and they believed oh it'll go away itself or whatever, and then they reached out and they got help, and they were so thankful that they got uh, help, and so many of them said I wish I'd come forward earlier. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and some people um, would be under the impression that if they mention uh, things to their GP and that the depression word comes up, um, many people think that almost automatically that they'd be put on antidepressants. And it's not necessarily so at all. It might be a talk about lifestyle. Um, in some cases, antidepressants are a big help. Sometimes antidepressants and talk therapy, as we'll call it, can be an ideal um, combination. Many people find the so-called self-help books um, are, uh, are, are helpful. Um, you know, there might be only a sentence, a nugget in a book of 200 pages, but uh, one might um, feel that, wow, that's a, a really good thought. And uh, and uh, um, and that can help greatly. I remember a series of books uh, back along. Uh, they all started with the word overcoming. One was, you know, overcoming anxiety. Another would be overcoming depression. But there are so many. If a person Google's the word depression, um, forward slash books, 
Um, you'll find them. You'll and, find and I think so that's, you know, that's the key to the road to recovery is to admit I've got a problem. Now, let's see what I can do uh, about it. And there's things, you know, you know, you, you, you said, for example, breaking down tasks into smaller parts. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, um, if a person decides that they will do A or B or C to keep it, keep it simple and, and, and keep it something which is absolutely achievable. Now, it, it might be, um, you know, uh, do a bit of hoovering in the bedroom and, and that should be that. But once a little task is um, uh, decided on uh, to do it, um, and uh, again, like, um, if, if, if a person sets very, very high bar on uh, tasks to be done, um, that's a kind of um, a disincentive to do them. Um, uh, we, we, often, we often mention, and um, you often um, encourage me, um, to say, for example, go for a walk. Mm. But it doesn't have to be five kilometres. Yeah, it can yeah. be one, yeah. you know. Yeah, you can just take you down the road and back out again, but you're getting out and, and you're getting a bit of fresh air. And, and then when, when you come back, you feel you've achieved Yeah, um, and that's something. where you give yourself credit for what you've done. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And, and be able to say to yourself, good man or good woman, well done, well done. Um, and, and, to, and to remain hopeful, to, to remember that there are good days too. They're not all bad days. And, and to focus on today, one day at a time, as the song says. Um, like if I think now, what can possibly go really wrong between here and midnight? Well, more than likely, nothing serious whatsoever. But if I'm worrying about um, next Christmas, um, I'm kind of ruining today worrying about, um, you know, seven months' time are regretting seven months past. And, mm. and if we try and live in the day and um, try and focus on the little things that we need to do. Now, it might be as simple as make a cup of tea, um, but that can help. It sounds uh, rather simplistic, but it's a fact that um, little tasks but to do them. And if you're um, lucky enough to have people in your life, family member, close friends, get support from them. Absolutely. We need people on our side in life. And, um, you know, that when, when little problems, you're, they can be big problems or they can be tiny, but we need to feel that, that a person is on our side and um, is uh, uh, quite willing and able to be helpful um, uh, and, if necessary, to extend that out further um, to maybe um, um, a trusted friend or, indeed, maybe to pick up the phone and make an appointment uh, with somebody in the um, counselling psychotherapy area. I often mention that if a person looks up IACP.ie, there's a, a thing you can click on there, which is find a counsellor, and you'll probably find someone within 
quarter of an hour of your own front door. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. Actually, during COVID, I did it with um, a friend of mine who just needed to reach out, needed a bit of help. So I said, right, I have the website. Let's look it up. And uh, we found somebody, you know, living quite close. Now, it turned out it was been done over Zoom, but it was perfect. And she, and it was it all worked out uh, really well. So, yeah, and there's, there's always yeah. somebody well uh, close by. Now, um, yeah. get involved in fun activities, which which sounds like the obvious. But sometimes if you're feeling very down, you need to dust yourself off and say, I need to get out there. I need to do something that will bring some fun into my life. Absolutely. And again, it needn't be a big deal. It needn't be heading off to Disney. Um, it can be going to the nearest um, cinema. Uh, it can uh, mean um, calling in to the local bookshop and, and picking up a novel uh, that you think you would um, enjoy. Um, small things like that. Little treats. Um, that we, 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 we absolutely need. Um, if we're going to be mooning around the house, um, kind of counting, um, uh, you know, our, our, our non-blessings, I'll put it that way, um, focusing on um, A, B or C, that is a problem. All well, the negatives. I mean, it, it, that, that, that won't do us much good, you know. Okay, I love your next one. Spend time with the pet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So many people get such an amount of, um, oh, help and, you know, from a pet. I mean, uh, I, I've actually, um, uh, I've heard that so often. Um, uh, you know, the favourite dog, the favourite cat, the favourite whatever, and um, that that brings joy into a person's life. Yeah. Well, we had Charlie Bird on the programme via his voice box technology, obviously, on uh, Monday. And he talks about he got his, he's a little cockapoo, his dog, and how important his dog is. And he said he, just, he would are. not be getting through. And obviously, yeah. his wife is, is hugely clear, is hugely supportive. But the dog, he's relying on that little dog uh, so much. Uh, and now yeah. you say talk to understanding non, a non-judgmental person. Yeah, yeah. As we were saying, you know, someone that you trust. Um, okay. And it won't be judgmental. And make sure it's somebody that you trust. The last thing you need is judgment. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, Lord, yeah. I mean, um, uh, you, you know, if if somebody is going to uh, be judgmental, um, you'd be a lot better if you did such a thing. That's the last yeah. thing you and need. And we all hear. we all know those people in our lives. Oh so, God! So yeah. so avoid them. And then yeah. you've you've got the likes of aware. There, I mean, we we would again hear from listeners saying aware is a wonderful organisation. Absolutely, and there's nothing like meeting uh, like people you can identify. It's I mean, you know, AA works for millions. Um, Al-Anon works for millions and AWARE works for so many people and it's a simple case of a free phone number 1-800-80-48-48 and find out where there is a local meeting and um, you definitely won't meet anyone judgmental there because um, you know it's a kind of really truly 100% we're all in this together and that can be wonderfully helpful. Plus, it gets you out of the house. And for, for people who... Ha- I'm, I'm often envious of people who've got a very deep faith yeah. um, because they have that wonderful spiritual resource. But y- your spiritual resource doesn't necessarily have to be a religious one. No. Um, uh, you know, so many people, again, millions of people in the world 
um, would have great faith in what we'll call a higher power. Um, you know, um, if you say to a person, well, do you believe in something or do you believe in nothing? Uh, most people will say, yeah, well, I, I believe in something. Um, some people are blessed with a deeper religious belief and, um, you know, attend their um, mass religious services. And that is wonderful. That's a great blessing in life. It's the it's the bedrock of many a person's life. But if you are more kind of um, broader, we'll say, in your belief, a higher power, and um, to ask for a little help. I don't know how many people I've spoken to down through the years where a loved uh, relative would have died and people would have said, yeah, I, I asked my dad for help. Yeah, I asked yeah. my mum for help, um, even though that they would have died uh, quite a while ago. And uh, uh, all of that, whatever brings a bit of solace, a little bit of peace, into one's life Grab onto is it. invaluable. Grab yeah. onto it. We've mentioned exercise, but that ties in with getting out and getting getting sunshine. Try and get yeah. whatever. I know it's a bit of a gloomy day, even though the sun is shining. But when the sun does come out, get as much sunshine as you can. Absolutely. It definitely helps, um, yeah. uh, you know, uh, without a doubt. And I believe we're going to have some this afternoon. We are. So. We are. And we're hopeful that the weather, when this wet weather passes, it's going to be good next week. I'm, conv- yeah. I'm convinced of it. And then there is things you can eliminate fr- from your diet. I mean, caffeine is the obvious one and alcohol and illicit drugs. All, those, cause all of those just add to depressive yeah. episodes. Yeah, yeah, to try and eat healthily, we'll say. Not that one is going to become a fanatic, uh, but um, to avoid junk food um, as much as possible. And, um, you know, to, that even when you don't feel like it, um, to have your three meals in the day, they might be small, but to have them, uh, not to skip meals, you know. And, um, uh, you know, caffeine... Uh, no, the, you mentioned alcohol there. I mean, alcohol is a depressant, and uh, alcohol doesn't help any situation really. Um, there can be a little bit of a lift temporarily, but then comes the downer, and um, and things are worse than they were. Yeah. Okay, mm. and I I think laughter is always the best medicine. And I went to see Darrow Breen last week in live yeah. at, uh, live at the Marquee, and I just came out and felt so good because we all had. I a friend of mine, Mary, came with me, and she actually at one stage said that she had a pain in her face from laughing. There and you I just go. thought, and you, that, and you, okay, don't, you don't always have to go to a comedy gig, but you can access comedy on TV, you can access comedy online, you can read a book. But laughter is a great medicine. Absolutely. And the thing about it is that we can usually find somebody humor somewhere in everything, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, even the bad times. I mean, there's probably a bit of a giggle, a bit of a laugh in there somewhere, you know. Yeah. And if we can find that, we're, we're winning. OK. Yeah. And then the obvious ones is to get up every day, you know, get dressed. To get I, up I, and get dressed. Yeah. Um, I mean, staying in bed is not a good uh, thing. It, it doesn't help. And uh, and 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 uh, getting up and staying in the jammies for the day isn't such a good idea either. No. To kind of um, you know get up, get dressed, um, eat the few meals in the day, um, do some little task that you 
um, need to do and um, and you'll feel so much better. Okay, yeah. and, and then finally, I mean, you know, a hot bath or a shower, even though you're saying neuroscientists suggest a cold shower and that guy Wim Hof that I'm pointing everybody to who is known as the Iceman, Google Wim Hof, he suffered really badly uh, with depression, turned his life around by cold and he's a big believer in ice baths and cold showers. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so give that a try. Alistair wants to know, is there a free service available for teenagers dealing with depression? Where would you suggest? Well, I mean, um, I, I would, yes, uh, CAMS um, uh, would be um, uh, uh, HSE a service. resource that, um, and that's, that is there for teenagers, of course. And yeah. that's accessed through your GP, isn't it? Yes, Yeah. Um, okay. indeed. Okay. All right, listen, Joe, have a lovely week and uh, we'll talk to you again next Tuesday. And the same, Patricia. Thanks for that. Uh, Joe, can be, he's a counselling practice. He runs a counselling practice in Bohabwee and he can be contacted at 86 8348 And just uh, to clarify from, it was Margaret, I think, who uh, contacted us earlier and it was just when I was reading out the text, it just was a bit jumbled in front of me and, and, and I misunderstood uh, what she was saying. This is to do with pres- repeat prescriptions and people who were on um, the drug refund scheme where you pay so much per month and then everything after the, everything above that you don't have to pay for this is people who don't have a medical card and she was talking about a spray that she gets for her psoriasis and she is able to purchase the six months and get it all in one month and then only pay one drug refund scheme pay for the month and have it for six months and I said I didn't think that was possible when it is a six month prescription I thought you had to get it every single month she said just to clarify it refers to non-oral drugs which you obviously can't overdose on and she said so she said instead of getting the one item of spray at a time for a psoriasis uh, which would cost her 70 euro she gets the six cans of spray and she gets it for 80 euro under the drug payment scheme but she said it doesn't apply for oral prescriptions you can only get your oral prescription under the drug payment scheme you've got you can only get it once a month and that's what I was clarifying she said with the sprays for the likes of psoriasis you can get the six months together but she has to get her GP to give her a prescription for the six cans the the theory behind it is that one can might not last you a month so therefore they will issue more than one can okay so I'm glad to thank you for that Margaret and sorry when I was calling it out earlier because it seemed a bit uh, jumbled okay just let me make sure we've gone through everything before I let you go Uh, Tricia said if they distributed the 22 billion that I mentioned that's how much is going to be spent on our health service this year if they distributed that amongst all of the people could we all not just afford private health care and we would all have very comfortable lives and surely that would be one way of solving our health care problem would it not be happy happy all around I can never see that happening but uh, Trish not a bad suggestion okay that's where I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Eric Griffin is with you for the afternoon he's sitting in for Nick this week and we'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock on to the line Patricia Messenger very good afternoon Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie 
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.